16, hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of, in search, in the, search of the depth? Uh, have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breath of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Uh, where is the way where the light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths of the house, to the house thereof. Knowest thou it? Because thou wast, bo- uh, thou wast then born? Or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. Uh, so Lord's continuing, of course, and he's going to continue here through the rest of the chapter, and then chapter 39 and so on. Uh, but uh, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into the next set of questions here, starting there in chapter 38, verse 16. Father, I thank you for the day, and thank you once again for uh, bringing us here safely. I pray you'd be with uh, everyone who comes, I pray you just bless the day, be with Pastor Legault, strengthen and help him. Even now, Father, we pray you'd be with uh, Lord Mrs. Legault as she continues to recover from surgery. We pray you just take the pain from her, help her to recover quickly and easily. Father, I thank you that she was able to get that done. And Lord, for Pastor with his knee and all the other concerns he's having now, I pray you would just bless him and take care of him. Uh, give him power this morning, especially. Lord, as we come together today, I pray that you would continue to I just work in hearts, be with all the moms that are going to be here today. You just lay your hand upon them, bless them. Uh, Lord, we thank you for them, and we pray once again you would bless the day, be with the Sunday school hour and everything that's said and done this day, that it would bring praise, honor, and glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray once again you'd come back soon to take us home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are in Job chapter 38. and verse 16, he starts off, and uh, he asks that question, Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, uh, number one, and so there are springs in the seas, they didn't know that for a very long time, but they are down there, uh, and they spring up and, and do all those, uh, and he asked that question, or hast thou walked in, in the search of the depths, no man has made it ultimately to the bottom of the ocean, they haven't walked there, uh, they, too much pressure, can't do it, uh, so these are impossibles, uh, these are things that are impossible for Job or Elihu, uh, in in this case, as he's writing, uh, would know. And so the Lord is showing off right here in chapter 38 especially uh, that he's the creator and he's designed it and nobody has these answers uh, outside of the creator who made it. And so uh, we just keep going down through this. A lot of these things are that way. Uh, but he says in verse number uh, 17, Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou uh, seen the doors of the shadow of death? Uh, death and the shadow of death, interestingly enough, have doors, they have gates, uh, and uh, nobody knows how all that works, but the Lord does, and uh, doors and gates show up. Uh, you have that when you talk about hell as well, there's doors, there's gates, and so on, and the setup of how God has it. Uh, and then you get to verse number 18, hast thou perceived the breath of the earth, declare if thou knowest it all. Uh, the breath of the earth uh, the size of it. Does anybody know how big the earth is? Well, uh, 24,811 miles is the circumference at the poles. 84,800, or 24,894 miles is the circumference at the equator. But Job didn't know that. <laughs> he had no idea. Uh, he had no clue how big the earth really is. 
uh, you know, and uh, we do now because the Lord's given us light and the ability to do it. 70.8% of the earth is water. We talked about that a little bit last time. Uh, and the fact that it's over 70% water and just the creation, the way that God has made the earth and the world. Uh, do, do you know how God perceives perceived the breath of the earth? Have you, have you been able to comprehend it? Uh, I don't even know if we really comprehend how big the earth is and the fact that you can basically see everything on it now uh, and, and be everywhere all at once. And that's how you get to that spot where every eye shall behold him and so on. But um, it's amazing the breadth of the earth uh, in comparison. Uh, when the Lord starts making comparisons uh, and everything, right, we get into Isaiah, the inhabitants thereof, the inhabitants of the earth to God are as grasshoppers. They're, we're nothing. Uh, compared compared to who he is and the vastness of the earth you recognize very quickly I mean we have over 7 billion people on the planet and we are free to move about there's still plenty of land mass <laughs> that we are we, we don't even have covered yet uh, and at 7 billion people we still don't we still don't have it uh, and of course all those things so the idea of the size and the breadth of the earth uh, to perceive it as well as not just know it, but to perceive it. Uh, he says there in verse 19, Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Uh, the, way, the way of light, uh, way, the way where light dwelleth. Uh, interestingly, light is always moving. Uh, he doesn't say it's a place of, of light. He says it's the way where light dwelleth. Uh, because light is always moving. It's a constant. It doesn't, doesn't, st it doesn't stay. Uh, it's not a place, but darkness has a place. Interestingly enough, uh, the only place where you can, I, you can get an idea of where light is, where it dwells, is where God is, because God is light. Outside of that, you don't have a place or a placement where God would be, uh, or where light would dwell, uh, but it's the way where light would dwell. And of course, Jesus Christ, we make the obvious uh, cross-references. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. He is the light of the world, uh, and lighteth every man that cometh unto him, and so on. Uh, interestingly enough, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the way that I take, uh, and so on. And so you get those comparatives very quickly and easily. And he says, but as for darkness... And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Uh, there is a place for darkness, uh, amazingly enough. Uh, the question is, which place is he talking about? Uh, you know, outer space has darkness. Uh, we also know that the bottomless pit would be a place of darkness. Uh, you have the bounds uh, and a house and so on, all the things that he talks about with it here in verse number 20, that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof, of what? Of darkness. So darkness has bounds, it has a path, it has a house. Uh, it makes it sound very much like Judas who went to his own place, which would be the bottomless pit, which would be a place of darkness. I don't know that for sure, but that's what it looks like to me. Uh, we've covered a bunch of those things already, which is why I don't really... Uh, need to cross-reference a bunch of that for you. We've done that so many times with darkness and the ideas. But you notice the path 
Uh, you go into Proverbs, it's all over in Proverbs, right? The path of the wicked, and it leadeth down, and you follow the woman, right? And down, and all the people, and it keeps going down this path, and it goes down to the house, and it goes down to the pit, and darkness, and all those things. Uh, those are all constants. And so, uh, darkness does have a place, and uh, you see it very quickly there. Verse number 21, he says, Knowest thou it? Because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great. Uh, you weren't alive then, Job. Uh, when, I, when I separated light from darkness, when all these pieces come together, when all this stuff happened, you have no clue, Job. You have no clue. You weren't there. Uh, is it because your days are great? Have you been around long enough to know what I'm talking about, Job? Nope. Uh, Jesus Christ, one of the titles of God is the Ancient of Days. Uh, that's who he is. He's been around for, well, forever, because he's God. Uh, and so he knows. He knows that he's the one who started time. In the beginning, God, he's the one who starts time in motion. He moves the clock. He, he's the one who officially sets it up. Uh, and he's going, Job, were you around? You, well, Job wasn't around. He wasn't around when he laid the foundations early in the book, and he laid the cornerstone and everything else that he put in there. Uh, Job wasn't there for any of that, and he wasn't there when God divided light and darkness. He wasn't there. He has no clue. Job, you have no clue. That's basically, Job, you are not qualified to answer any of these questions. That's basically what he's telling them right here. Uh, in verse 42, or 22, he says, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? Um, against the treasures of the snow. Uh, I know we all love snow here in New York, right? Uh, you, could blame, you could blame Melanie and Jamie for the snow that just keeps coming into April. I don't know what's happening this year. Melanie yelled at me last year because we had a, we had a, we had a wussy winter last year, right? So she was mad. She's like, it's a real winter, you know, Nova Scotia. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, she learned this year. Yeah, it just kept coming. Yeah, just kept coming. I said, this wasn't even a good one yet. You haven't even gotten a real winter up here yet. Uh, so she was much more pleased. She's giving me a look right now. See that? She's in the back windows. I see you. Um, but the treasures of the snow, uh, interestingly enough, some of you have already heard some of this. Um, and the idea of the minerals and, and the rejuvenation that happens when snow falls and uh, how much, you know, they, they tried to do a calculation, which wouldn't even be accurate anymore because, well, <laughs> if gas costs that much. Anyways, um, so the idea of how much, they were talking like, you know, every square foot or cubic foot, I'm sorry, of snow was something like, uh, uh, it was something like $5 a cubic foot or something like that in the, in the idea of how many minerals and just the basically the the amount it would be but check this out this is interesting uh this is from water resources research uh i got the page number and everything else if you want to check this thing out but he said this uh snow is critical in sustaining human life it provides water and plays a key role in the climate throughout through it uh through its unrivaled power to cool the earth to date, a full financial evaluation of the importance of snow in our lives has not been made. But computations here and elsewhere indicate it is on the order of trillions of dollars. Trillions. Of what? Just having snow on the planet. One-sixth of the population of the earth relies on snow for agricultural and drinking water. One-sixth of the planet on just for drinking water. 
and agricultural purposes for them to grow their crop. One-sixth. That's over a billion people. If they did not have snow, would not have enough water. That's just how it is. Uh, the benefits of cooling the earth are unmeasurable. They talk about, you know, all of them with their crazy, like, climate change now because you have to call it climate change because we can't get it to global warming because that's not actually what's happening. Anyways, um, right, and they're talking about climate change and all these pieces and blah, blah, blah. And the, uh, what are they worried about? They're worried that there's not enough snow. That's what they're worried about. They're worried that it's not cooling the way it's supposed to. The earth isn't cooling. Uh, the benefits of cooling and just the fact that although the temperatures drop, the snow is the thing that keeps it cold enough on the planet's surface so that we do not cycle into so much hotter and terrible weather. Uh, without snow, you and I would not exist. It's amazing, that the idea of the treasures of the snow. Uh, they can't figure out how much it truly would cost us if we didn't have snow. Uh, it, it, see, because the way that it works, you know how it works, right? As the snow melts, even here, the snow melts, the water, water table rises, and as we get that snow back, and it melts, and it melts over time. Uh, but that's a continual process. The farther north you go, that's a continual process. Mountain peaks and all those pieces are all working together to do what? To supply the earth with all the water that it needs. It holds it in reserve as ice and snow, and then it releases it, and it releases the minerals and everything else that it holds with it. And they, have no, they, they couldn't measure how much that actually would cost to try and reproduce in the agricultural ramifications alone of you and I having anything to grow on the planet uh, suddenly changes drastically. Uh, the idea of what it would cost to irrigate and to do all the other things that they would have to do uh, would become limitless. So if you want that, you can get it online. It's, it's right there. Um, I give you the site and everything else. But um, that was a pretty big, I read through a whole lot of that document. Um, there's a lot in there of the idea of the minerals the mineralization that it does and the, re, the rejuvenation for the actual plants and everything else, uh, you realize that the soil that we have here gets rejuvenated over winter. That's, that's one of the benefits of having all the snow that we get. Um, the, the ground that we have in the north, the northern half of the United States is different than the ground, than the soil contents and the nitrogens and all the things that they have down in the south is different than what we have here. It's just it, we grow things different here. Uh, we can grow more things here in certain respects and so on. Uh, and we could do this. I could do this for a long time, so I'm not going to do this. Um, and, uh, but the treasures of the snow, it's not, it's not just limited into its beauty and the idea of it being beautiful and unique and all these pieces and the idea of all the ice crystallization. It's not, that, that's not alone. Although it's there, it's not alone. Uh, the greatness of the snow, the treasure is that it's really invaluable to the planet. It's invaluable to human life at that point. Um, and you get into those pieces. Uh, but then he also adds in uh, the treasures of the hail. And notice the snow is not reserved against the time of trouble and the day of battle, but the hail is. <laughs> now, we've seen that in the scriptures. Uh, the day of battle, well, we'll grab a couple. Go over to Joshua. Hold your spot right here. Joshua chapter 10. Verse 11, Israel, of course, is in battle. Joshua 10, 11, And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel 
and we're in the going down to Bethhorn, uh, Beth Horon, uh, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, uh, and, that, and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. God's up in heaven just throwing hailstones at them, just chucking them down. That's, that's what he did. He cast them down. Uh, great hailstones uh, onto them. Uh, he's going to use it again in the future. Go over Revelation chapter 11. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse uh, verse 16. Yeah, we'll pick it up in verse 16. On um, the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, uh, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, "We give th- we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast." And art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead, and that, that they should be judged. And that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail." Great hail. Uh, and so he comes down and he goes ahead and he's going to bring that with him as he comes down out of his temple. And down he comes and he's going to be coming with hail. Um, he also feeds Israel with hail. The treasures of the hail uh, are also there. And he feeds Israel with it. Go back to Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 14. And when the dew that was lay that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. This little say, what's that? That's like a hailstone. Uh, that's that's what he's looking at. Uh, look over at Micah chapter seven. Micah chapter seven. Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, chapter 7. In the future, what's he going to do? Well, he's going to feed Israel uh, in the tribulation. Verse 14, Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. Verse 15, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. Say, well, how do you feed him? He fed him in the wilderness, and he's, he's dropping manna. Uh, and it's like the hoarfrost. It's a picture to the, to the, to the hail. Look over at uh, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Oh, verse 6. Revelation 12, 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's where she gets fed. 
Uh, he feeds her manna again in the wilderness, and he takes care of her, uh, as he did in the days of old. It's a picture to the hoarfrost. It's a picture to the, the hailstone uh, that he's feeding them with. And so not only is it the treasure of, of uh, what also comes down as minerals and all the things and the cooling and all that, when you get into hail, he also uses it as a weapon, and uh, he also feeds his people. It shows off his treasure of being able to feed Israel and take care of them and meet their need, even though uh, they're in trouble and they need help, he can go ahead and, and take care of them, uh, even, with, even with what would be deemed hail. Uh, he takes care of them and meets their needs. Uh, I'll go back over to Job 38. Cruising this morning. I'm okay with it. Job 38, look at verse 24. And we're going to get into some fun stuff right here. Job 38, verse 24. By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth, who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth? Hath the rain a father? Or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The, the waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influence of Pallades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide uh, Arctic? <laughs> Arcturus, there we go, uh, with his sons. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Uh, we'll pause right there. Uh, so he's going to get into he's going to get into all sorts of stuff right here. And so I don't know how far I'll get, um, but we'll start with the light uh, once again. He keeps going back to the light, amazingly enough. But uh, he says, "By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth?" Now, uh, the light parted. Uh, dividing the light into, uh, into its parts, uh, you can do that with a prism. We know that now, the idea of a prism of a spectroscope. We can do that. We can uh, do that. But this, you know, you just, just the idea of regular light, sunlight coming down and, and those things, you can get the different parts and the different light spectrum and do all those pieces. And, you know, we ultraviolet versus, you know, go through and you can do all that. Uh, but the problem is that this light, when it's parted, it, doesn't just part it, scattereth the east wind upon the earth. Um, and so this scatters the east wind. So I guess the thing you got to figure out is what in the world is he talking about with the east wind. Uh, look back over at uh, Job chapter 27. A few chapters back to Job 27. So let's start with the east wind and then we'll go back to the light, okay? How's that sound? Uh, I, think, I think that'll help us out. And so uh, Job chapter 27, look at verse 21 talking about uh, a wicked man and the judgment that's coming through, if you were to read early. But he says, The east wind carrieth him away, and he departeth, and as a storm hurleth him out of his place. Uh, so we got, we got the, the east wind is powerful. It's carrying a man away. And it also departeth. Uh, he, it causes the man to depart, and uh, the storm itself hurleth him out of his place. So it's a storm. 
attached with a storm. I'll look back at Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. We'll go to the law of first mention. I like the law of first mention. Law of first mention is pretty amazing throughout the scriptures. Um, and you can follow. First time something shows up, the Lord usually defines what it is and what he's talking about and how he wants to use it overall for the rest of the book. Uh, we've talked about it before, Genesis 22. It's probably my favorite one. First time love is used as a father to his son. Yeah. That way when you get to John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you recognize how much God loves you. And so that's, that's kind of one of those fun things where the law of first mention comes through very quickly and easily. Uh, but Job chapter 41, or Job, good night, Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 41. Uh, Genesis 41. Uh, notice uh, what's happening, right? You've got Pharaoh, verse 1, he's dreaming a dream, right? In verse number 6, you know, you know the dream. I'm hoping you know the dream. That way I don't have to read the whole dream. Uh, notice, and behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. So the, the seven dry ears, right? The thin ones that they're talking of drought and removes it, dry ground. Notice uh, just a little while later in verse 23 of the same chapter. Behold, seven ears withered thin and blasted with the east spring east wind sprung up after them, uh, still blasted with the east wind. Look at verse 27. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. Uh, Pharaoh's dream, right? That seven years of famine is blasted with the east wind. It's dry. It's not full of water. Uh, you'd think, right, if we're talking about light and we're talking about a storm, that it'd be lightning. Well, for us here, lightning and rain go together. <laughs> Thunder, lightning, rain, that, that's, that's the storm, right? The wind blows in and everything else. Uh, amazingly enough, uh, there is a thing called dry, uh, dry lightning. I think is what it's called. Dry thunderstorms. There it is. Dry thunderstorms. And uh, it happens out west a lot. It is something where it, there is no rain. There's zero rain. Uh, it is so hot and so dry that the moisture that comes down out of the cloud doesn't actually get to the earth. And the wind is, extreme. well, I'll get into that in a second. The wind is extremely high. Uh, go over to Psalm 48. Psalm 48. The east wind, uh, by the way, you can go ahead and, and look at some more passages. You can feel free to look, at, look up the east wind. Uh, when when uh, the children of Israel are coming out at the Exodus and they get to the, they get to the Red Sea, and they need the Red Sea to part, the east wind shows up. And what do they walk across on? Dry ground. It's so powerful that it literally, when it pushes it open, the Lord uses it, opens it up, right? Power of God does what He does, uh, opens it up, but it's so dry that even the ground underneath the Red Sea gets dried. That's, that's the dryness that he's talking about. He's associating those two as it comes through. You get to verse, uh, chapter 48 here of Psalm uh, verse number seven, uh, thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. It's part of judgment as well. We saw it with Pharaoh. 
uh, and the seven years of famine. We see it uh, with, with, of course, the Red Sea crossing. He uses it to part the sea, but he's going to use that in judgment in a moment and drop the sea down. Uh, he breaks the ships of Tarshish. Uh, Jonah, at the, end of, at the end of the book of Jonah, right? He, the, the city of Nineveh repents. He's sitting there, and what happens to him? He gets the gourd, right? How's the gourd dry up? An east wind comes and dries it all back up, and he loses the gourd and everything. It's the east wind. Uh, you can keep looking. There's a lot of verses, in case you're curious, on the east wind. Uh, but interestingly, there's two things that they find with the dry thunderstorm. Uh, number one, it is the most common natural origin of a wildfire. Wildfires are started by a dry thunderstorm. That's what it is. It's so dry, there's no moisture. Lightning strikes, and it sparks it off. And number two, it also can produce strong, gusty surface winds just down at the bottom. And that fans the flames and causes the fire to spread more quickly. So what is that? Oh, just the Bible letting you know how things work. Uh, notice what he said back there in Job chapter 38. Yep, prairie fires, forest fires, all those pieces. Um, and so you get to Job 38, he says, by, the, by what way is the light parted which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Uh, the light parted. Well, then it, if it's lightning, which that's what it sounds like, uh, how is the lightning parted? Right? You look. You look at the light come out. When does it? When does it decide to strike? Nobody knows when it's going to strike, uh, and nobody knows where it's going to strike, and nobody knows how. Why does it make the shape that it makes in the sky as it parts out? And how does electricity work? Uh, as an electrician. Electricity works because of the magnetism of the field and you direct the field and you give it a line to go to and so on. And you know what that means? That means we don't know. <laughs> we know how to harness it enough to direct it to do what we want it to do. We cannot produce it the way we want to and we do not know how it works. We really don't. Well, you see the ionization and if, uh-huh. You can say all the big words if you'd like to, but you really don't know what it means. You don't know how it works. Why is everybody so nervous to do electricity? I will always have electrical jobs. I never, I never have to worry. I still get phone calls. I turn down more jobs now than I do because I have people who want, who want me to do the work. I just don't have time. And I would rather do what I do than do that. So I, I don't mind. I'll do an electrical job if it's, you know, especially to help somebody out in the church and, and they need something. But... Uh, I got calls from people who aren't in the church, and I ignore most of them. <laughs> like, why do you do that? Because I would rather spend my time doing what I do, uh, and I don't, I don't need to do it. But I love it. It's one of my favorite jobs I've ever done. Secular job, electric, electrician, my favorite job. I loved it. I still love doing it when I get to do it. I love it. Uh, I, I have no problems doing it. But I, I guarantee you, they don't know how it works. That's why everybody's scared of it. Why, why do you at your own house normally, right? If it's something simple, you're like, okay, I can do that. I'll shut the breaker off and make sure everything's off. Nobody wants to work on anything hot. <laughs> you know who's crazy enough to work on stuff hot? 
this guy right here. Uh, why? Because I understand enough of how it works, but the why it works, and where does it come from? And what, we can harness the idea. You, we don't understand it. There's something different there that you can't, you can't fully explain on how it works. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with gravity. Well, how does gravity work? <laughs> it works because it works. <laughs> we observe the law and we understand the components. We don't understand how and where it comes from and what keeps it constant. And all the, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> you can do it all day long and you know what you'll find? You don't know. Go ahead and keep asking everybody. They don't know either. Uh, we don't know why certain things work outside of because that's the way God made it work. That's it. The only answer we have is God made it work. By him all things consist. And as soon as you eliminate him, we don't know. The world has no answer. They want to say they have answer. They don't have an answer. It's all just them piling up some words to make them feel better about themselves. That's about it. Well, I'm smart enough because I have all these. You don't know. You have no clue. <laughs> you have no idea. The idea of predicting lightning strikes, you can't do it. You can understand there's enough of a buildup of energy and it's going to release the energy and all those things and the static and the cloud and, the, and then boom, it's going to release it. You don't know when it's going to release it. You don't know how it's going to release it. You don't know where it's going to strike. You can't figure any of that out and you have no idea why it parts exactly the way it parts in the sky. You can't answer those. You can guess and you can harness and you can try and move and manipulate, but you don't know. By what way is the light parted? I don't know. Verse 25. <laughs> Who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness where there, wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth? Um, well, big question. Who causes who causes all these things? Who causes everything to grow on the planet? To be sustained? And notice, notice what he's going to point out, where no man is. What's the point of having vegetation if man's not over there? Who cares? We don't need it. What does it matter if we have, we have plants over somewhere where nobody is? What does it matter if uh, over there in the, in the Sahara Desert that anything grows? Nobody lives there. Nobody wants to live there. What difference does it make? Right? Very rare spots, right? But other, who cares? Why does it rain there? Isn't that just a waste of water at that point? Nobody needs it. Nobody's using it over there. What difference does it make? Well, God cares. God produces. God's the one who does those things. If it's not the creator, then what is the point of having all those things grow where they grow? There wouldn't be. He designed it. And he designed it so that everything will grow and he grows it across the planet because what we've figured out is you have oxygen because plants are growing everywhere. That's why you have oxygen. If man designed the world 
we would be stupid. <laughs> the planet would not function. It wouldn't. We'd have more land and less water. Because we want more land to build more stuff so we can own more things and we could do what we want. But then it wouldn't work. We certainly would get rid of all the snow. I mean, I mean, as, as a whole, we're getting rid of snow, Jamie. I'm sorry. It's gone. We wouldn't want... Who wants that? It interrupts. The entire planet, top to bottom, would be like between 65 and 75 degrees all day long, every day, with a slight little breeze, and everything would be sunshine, and we'd never get rain. And, I mean, it would be great. Dave would cut the lawn all year long. He'd never have to worry about a rain day. He'd love it. He'd do it all. He'd be fine. Wouldn't bother him. Crops would grow. Everything would be great, right? We just irrigate. Just irrigate. It's fine. Just irrigate. We. I'd rather water it than have it all rain. Except it wouldn't work. Mankind would set everything up, and they'd do all the things they want to do, and they'd get it all ready. And you know what it would do? It would die. <laughs> Because it is not designed the way it's supposed to be. There's a creator. And as designer, he has designed it so that we can sustain life on the planet. Otherwise, you end up like Mars. It's not the right size. It's not the right tilt on the axis. It's too close to the sun. As well. Okay. There's reasons that the planet sustains life, and it's because of the way God designed it. And I could do this all day, so I've got to keep moving. He says in verse uh, 28, Hath the rain a father, or who hath begotten the drops of dew? <laughs> uh, where does the rain and the dew come from? That's, there you go. Uh, where, where does that start? And the rain and the dew. And so he says, uh, hath the rain a father? Notice it's not Mother Nature. There you go. Sorry, Mother's Day. But it's not Mother's. Uh, and uh, who hath begotten the drops of dew? I thought the dew just comes up, you know, from the ground. And you just, no? You mean there's a design? You mean it comes from somewhere? Look back at Genesis 27. We'll run a few of these. I guess might be as far as I get, though. Genesis 20, uh, 27. Look at verse 28. I'm just going to grab verses here again. I, I apologize. Not a lot of context for these um, to move through. But notice what he says here in Genesis 27. Look at verse uh, 28. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, given the promises here, uh, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Give thee of the dew of heaven. Okay. Look at verse 39, same chapter. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and the dew of heaven from above. I thought the dew came up from the ground. Look over at Zechariah chapter 8. All the way out to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8, verse number 10. For before these days there was no hire for man, 
nor any hire for beast. Neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. That's not right. Yeah, it is. I'm good. Uh, for I said all men, every one against his neighbor, but now I will not be unto the residue of this people. As in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts, for the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. Uh, due is not just the idea of, well, it's going to come up from the ground and do all the. According to the Bible, there's something different with due. Uh, then, uh, and we also recognize that uh, due, according to the dictionary, is condensation from the atmosphere. Well, then the, the Bible's right. Uh, look over at Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to give you all three locations here. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to hit these three spots and then i got to shut her down. But uh, notice Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 20. I'm on the wrong page. Proverbs 3, verse 20. By his knowledge, the Lord. Verse 19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Verse 20, by his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. <laughs> the clouds drop down the dew. There it is. It starts with clouds. Clouds are a form of dew according to the Bible. And they drop down the water from it. Look over at uh, Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Verse number 3. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commandeth commanded the blessing even life forevermore uh that's that's fog the cloud comes lower on the mountain and it's the fog front you see it going through the mountains all the time right you're driving through if you've driven through tennessee and down going through especially and uh down just driving through all those mountains right you hit those valley areas and there's that cloud that you descend below into the valley you go but there's that cloud that's on the mountains what is that it's just fog Coming through high fog, heavy fog area, blah blah blah. We see it. We see it even driving through, just even through Tully and, and going through the Tully area. You get those low area and what are you driving through? Just dew. You're just driving through the dew. What is this fog? Look, look over at uh, Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Last one, and I'm stopping this morning. Isaiah 26. Verse number 19. Thy dead men shall live, together with, thy, with my dead body shall they, they arise, awake and sing, ye that dwell in, in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Uh, you say, what's the dew of herbs? That's the one right there on the ground. That's that moisture you get in the morning, you come out and it's all... There it is. Where did all of that come from? Well, God's the designer of all of that. Uh, you get back to Job chapter 38, and it's who's the father of rain and who hath begotten the dew? Well, the Lord did. As the creator, it's not Mother Nature. Sorry, ladies. Uh, Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. It's not Mother Nature. That's just not, it doesn't exist. 
Uh, God is the designer, and as the designer, he's designed those three levels of the idea of dew. Uh, he has set it up in the clouds, in the fog, and in, and in just that moisture that comes out, the dew on the ground. Uh, all three of those throughout the scriptures you can find as dew. And so it's the rain, hath the, hath the rain a father, or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Well, God did. God designed it. Uh, you get back to Genesis, right, and it's, it's water comes up out of the ground, right? to water everything right up until Genesis chapter 6, and then God causes it to rain upon the earth. And mankind has failed, so God changes how he did things, and you get into all those pieces. And so that's, uh, that's where we'll stop. Uh, next time we'll get, into, uh, we'll, we'll get into the solar system a little bit next time, and uh, it's going to be interesting, I think. Lord, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your care. Your, your, just your blessings on us. I pray, Father, you would bless the day, keep everyone safe. I pray it would be a special blessing to the mothers that have, uh, that have shown up today. I pray the services would encourage and strengthen them and help them and, and be a blessing to them and their families. And once again, we pray, Father, Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up today. If someone comes in without the Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd call upon Jesus Christ alone to save them. Lord, once again, come back soon, Father. We'd love to see you today in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.